folks, I want to invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Lord, uh, we, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would find us amenable to, receptive to, and, just, and also responsive to what you have to say. That again, we might be better conformed to the image of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the use of uh, stage lighting to help illuminate things. We're going to do a little bit more stage lighting this morning initially, at least for a couple of minutes. I'm going to do some stage lighting to set the stage, if you will, for this passage. Don't judge me. That may be the only part of the Bible that some people think they know. It's a popular expression even from uh, non-believers in Jesus because being judgmental is considered a pretty bad thing because it usually is. Folks might even quote some Bible verses. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I've always loved that imagery. Or Romans chapter 2 verse 1. At whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Or Jesus in John chapter 8 verse 7. If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. I don't know if you recall, this is the episode of the woman who had been caught in adultery, brought to Jesus, and a crowd of, you know, guys stands around with rocks in their hands, ready to stone her to inflict the penalty of death upon somebody who was caught in adultery. And Jesus, of course, says, hey, if you guys are without sin, then go ahead and throw those rocks, knock yourself out. And then one by one, they drop the rocks and walk away because the words of Jesus have cut into their hearts, made them realize that they too have fallen short of the glory of God. And so this is arresting stuff. It's enough to make anyone stop short and really hear that phrase, don't judge me, kind of bounce around in our brains. But then the Bible also says things like this. John chapter 7. Jesus is speaking again. He says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Or in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Or Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, Do not cast pearls before swine. What's a boy to do? Well, I think we are called to understand the difference between condemning judgmentalism and biblical discernment. The difference between self-righteous finger-pointing and humble exercise of biblically informed judgment. Because the first thing is sin. The second thing is essential. We have to understand the difference between looking out there Oh man, are we really good at looking out there and deciding how well other people are performing to our expectations about their behavior? We are experts in that. We are less skilled at looking in here. Self-awareness is a thing. Although, people who have studied this come up with some interesting 
conclusions. One recent study, 95% of people think they are self-aware, but really only 12 to 15% of people actually are self-aware, which you can measure by this second data point they found, which was that 40% of people think they're in the top 5% of the population, intellectually, artistically, all kinds of athletic ability. 40% of us think we're in the top 5%. Hello? No, you're not. Neither am I. So all of that is kind of stage lighting. We're going to look and listen to the Apostle John and have him help us think about a couple of issues. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where something just didn't seem quite right. I was at a hometown buffet restaurant many years ago now. You know those buffet places where they advertise as all you can eat. And back in the day, I loved that not only could I eat all that I could eat, but I could eat all that several people could eat. And one day I'm going through the salad line at the buffet place, which was a... Not my regular stop off, I gotta say. I usually went for the meat, but I was you know, getting some salad this day. And I'm spooning the salad, clipping the salad up and putting it out of the big bowl and putting it onto my plate. And as I was reaching in to grab some salad, I noticed half of a grasshopper in the salad. Something wasn't quite right. I declined the rest of the salad and moved along to the meat. Well, the Apostle John says in the passage that we're going to talk about this morning that sometimes there come times in our lives when we say we are believers, but if we look closely at how we're behaving or what we're thinking, we realize that something is not quite right. We've been talking about real faith in following the real Jesus in the middle of real what does that look like? John helps us understand that this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. If you're on the website, you can use the Bible translation to the right of the screen. Or, of course, if you're at home, you can grab your own Bibles. I trust that you will and read along with me. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. In this passage this morning, John gives us two tests to help us discern the reality of our faith. Test number one, obedience. Yikes. Test number one, obedience, which is a general pattern of conforming our lives 
to the word of God. Verse 3, we know if we obey. And it's interesting to me that at this point, there's not a lot of emphasis on what we say. Because in verse 4, we can say all day long, I know Jesus, I know Jesus, oh yes, I know Jesus. But if we don't do, we hear Jesus saying to us, remember from last week, liar, liar, pants on fire. Some language notes for you technocrats out there, and I know you love it when we offer up ancient Greek language lessons, but in verse 3, there's this phrase, we have come to know him. The tense of this verb is the perfect tense, and here's what the perfect tense is. It's an action in the past that has ongoing and enduring results. Like, for example, a wedding, or a birth, or an accident, or, in this case, a conversion to Christ, if it's genuine, is supposed to have an ongoing, profound, long-lasting effect, which leads to this call to, in verse 3, obedience. And this verb, more fun with grammar, this verb is in the present tense, which in the original language of the Bible means an ongoing pattern of obedience. Not a lifestyle, but a life. It doesn't mean that we can't stumble because we can and we do. It doesn't mean we can't fall into sin because we can and we will. It, doesn't, it does mean, however, and as we listen to this carefully with our eyeballs firmly fixed on ourselves, if you're a fan of taking selfies, this is the time to do it, our eyes firmly fixed on ourselves. If John says, if we continue in flagrant disobedience to the word of God, we need to ask ourselves if there ever was a genuine commitment to Christ. Because if there was a genuine commitment to Christ, John says that's going to have ongoing, enduring results in our lives. You see, starting three weeks ago, when we started to look at this little letter of 1 John, we established that Jesus was real. But the question for us this morning is, are we real? We know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Obedience. A pattern for living that's given to us is in verse 6. We are called to walk as Jesus did. John points to Jesus and says, that's the way to do it. Walk in the way Jesus did, in truth, in compassion, in love, in energized concern, because, man, talk is cheap. Nods of the head, they're cheap. Amens are cheap, although we don't get a lot of them around here. Talk is cheap. Are we doing? So that's test number one, obedience. Test number two is, verses 7 through 11, test number two is Love. So, if test number one is a general, general pattern of conforming to the Word of God, test number two is specific. It's down and dirty. It's love your brothers and sisters. Ouch. You've uh, perhaps heard the expression that describes traditional wedding attire. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something orange. No, wait, that's not right. It's blue, right? Something blue. Well, when Pastor Laura and I got married, I was the something old. 
What John does in this passage, though, is he unpacks this call to love in a something old, something new kind of way. He does this thing in verses 7 and 8 where he says, here's an old command and a new command. An old command, he said, we've heard from the beginning of the gospel proclamation. And when Jesus does this, he reaches all the way back to the Old Testament law and he plucks out Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which Pastor Laura read for us. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So the command is an old command. It's nothing new as far as God is concerned. But John here calls it new. Why does he do that? Because for us, for the original readers of John's letter, and for us, it's new in depth and new in quality as we see it working itself out in the life of Jesus. Nobody ever has and nobody ever will love the way Jesus did. And it's new in our realization that it's only with God, with God's partnership, that this loving and living like Jesus is possible. I don't know about you, but I have run into some pretty darn unlovable people in my day and time. People when, you know, first glance you go, oh, can't do it, just can't do it. On my own, just can't do it. And I am absolutely confident that people have looked at me and said exactly the same thing. Oh, <laughs> that hard guy, no, just, just can't do it. I remember one time, I waited until everybody was out of the house. Pastor Laura and I had bought a new barbecue grill. Now, I'm not a big projects kind of guy. But this, you know, you go to the store, right? And they show you all these wonderful little things like barbecue grills. And it, it, it's all, it looks so special there. And you can, just, you can just inhale the aroma of the burgers and dogs and steaks that are cooking on that thing. And you go, man, I want one of those. And so you say to the salesperson, I want one of those. And they bring you a box. And you say, well, that, that's not... And yes, it is. It's in the box. You have to put it together yourself. And so we brought it home. And I, again, I waited till everybody was gone. In the garage, I laid, it all, laid out all the parts on my own. There was nobody around there with me. Nobody to help. I painstakingly read directions. Step by ever slow step. I, I put it together in this incredibly lengthy amount of time. And when I was done, it looked kind of like the girl I had seen in the store. But I looked back on the floor, and I realized there were about six parts that were, I guess, supposed to be in the grill, but weren't in the grill. On my own, I stumbled terribly. And I had this fear, when I went to light up the grill for the first time, I had this fear this thing's just going to explode. Fortunately, it didn't explode. But on our own, we can get into trouble. On our own, we can leave out important parts. On our own, we can leave out parts that we didn't even know we needed until we reached some critical juncture in our relationship with somebody else and we realized, you know what, I've left this out. I've been trying to do it on my own. But John says here, this command is new because we have the power and presence of Christ himself 
to enable us to walk through these difficult moments. We're not on our own. God, in His grace, has, wants to enable our embrace of and action on this command to love our sisters and brothers, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to our great annoyance, Jesus kept calling weird people our neighbors and calling us to love them and showing us how to love them. Now, I know you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan, but you may not realize that when Jesus picks up this story and he points to this Samaritan guy as the epitome of what it looks like to love your neighbor, he has picked out the person that to his audience in his day and his time was the most egregious possible example of hideous personhood you could think of. Samaritans and Jews of that day and time completely opposed to each other, opposed culturally, opposed religiously, opposed morally. They just couldn't get from A to B together. They couldn't even agree that there were an A and B together. And yet Jesus points to the Good Samaritan and says, you want to know what loving your neighbor as yourself looks like? Look at that guy. I don't even know if on our day and time we really have a kind of a model of what this looks like to, to be so diametrically at odds with somebody who is culturally different than we are. Oops, wait a minute. Yes, we do. We just had an election. And in the United States of America, the United States of America, we have this giant divide, which isn't just political disagreement, because our constitutional norms allow for, encourage political disagreement. No, it wasn't that. It was vitriol aimed at somebody else who had the audacity to vote for somebody we didn't agree with. We know exactly what this looks like. And Jesus says, you see that person who voted differently than you did? You see that person who is culturally at odds with you? You see that person who you disagree with on every possible point of engagement. You see that person? Go love them. Thanks very much, Jesus. Couldn't you give me an easy job like parting the Red Sea or calling walls around a city to tumble down? Could you give me one of those easy jobs? You want me to really love that person? That's what he's saying. Or... In the Sermon on the Mount. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Love your enemies and pray for those who curse you? Seriously? Really? John says here, absolutely, yes, really. And in verse 10, John unpacks the character of this love in a profound way. He calls the people who exercise this specific act of obedience to love our neighbors as ourselves, he calls this the one, he calls us the one loving. Again, I know you love the Greek grammar, so here's some more. This is a, this is a present active participle. The English teachers at home are going, yay, yay, yay. Present active participle. This means this is, this is, this is a, a verb created into a noun to describe a person 
as the one loving, this is you and me as believers in Jesus, or at least it's supposed to be you and me as believers in Jesus, people who are loving, present tense, ongoing action, love, love, that analyzes and reflects, and then willingly chooses the best interests of the other person. Now, does that sound like our last election at all? No. And this isn't a political statement. Frankly, I don't care who you voted for. What I care about as a believer in Jesus is that we say we really believe this stuff. We really believe that we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're really, we really believe that we're called to love our enemies and bless those who curse us. We're not very good at that. We're really good at cursing those who curse us. We're really good at cursing arguments and going back and forth and getting these incredibly developed levels of intensity about cursing. We're really good at that. We are not so good at what Jesus has called us to do here through the pen of his apostle John. Love that chooses the best interests of the other person and acts on that. In our culture, in our day and time, we have taken this word love and we have made it mean nothing. Nothing. We, 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 I love purple cow ice cream. Purple cow ice cream is black raspberry ice cream with chocolate chips and white chocolate chips in the mix. Purple cow ice cream. It's delicious. I love it. I really do. I love Chick-fil-A nuggets. We make a pilgrimage nearly every week to Topeka, Kansas, so that I can get some Chick-fil-A nuggets. I love them. I really do. I also love Pastor Laura. Now, we're all hoping, right, that on the spectrum of our use of the word love, I don't have the same affection for Pastor Laura that I do for Purple Cow Ice Cream. We're hoping that, at least Pastor Laura is hoping that, my love for her is a decision to act in her best interests. That's what John is talking about here when he uses the word love. We used to live in Worcester, Massachusetts, when we uh, pastored a church there. There was an article in the newspaper before we left there. It was about an elderly woman named Adele who turned up missing. And it, the article was one of those review of history kind of things. But she had turned up missing in 1989. And when she turned up missing, or people thought she was missing, they, they called the police. And so when the police inquired, a brother told the police that, that uh, Adele had gone into a nursing home. And so satisfied with that information, the neighbors of Adele began watching her property. A neighbor named Michael noticed her mail piling up, and he notified the post office, and they stopped delivering the mail. Adele's next-door neighbor, Eileen, started to pay her grandson, Eileen's grandson, $10 twice a month to mow Adele's lawn. Later, um, Michael's son noticed that Adele's pipes had frozen, spilling water out the door. The utility company called and they shut off the water, got called and they shut off the water. What no one guessed was that, that while they had been trying to help, Adele had been inside our home. 
When police finally investigated the house as a, as a growing kind of health hazard, they were shocked, and they found her body four years later, in 1993. They believe she died of natural causes those four years earlier, but the respectable and for a time external appearance of Adele's house had hidden the reality of what was inside. It looked okay, but she was dead. That can happen to us. We can appear outwardly proper. We can appear like we're alive. We can have all sorts of religious activity happening. We can look really good checking off the religious activity checklist. But on the inside, we can be dead. So there is a real need here for discernment, self-discernment, real self-awareness. Making sure that the way things that look and appear outside are resonant with, are consonant with, coincide with, represent what's actually happening inside. And that the things that we do flow from a genuine relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we, we can take a look in the mirror and say something's just, you know, just not quite right. So just three questions then flow from this passage this morning. Do we walk the way Jesus did? With love and compassion and mercy. Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Ah, right now, pops into your brain the image of that person you loathe that person you absolutely detest. Now, I don't know why you loathe and detest that person. I have my own gallery of rogues in my own brain. Those are the people, Jesus says, those are the people that we are called to love as ourselves. Last question. Jesus is real. Are we? Pray with me.